1: Blog Talk Radio.
0: Hello, hockey fans. Welcome to a jam-packed episode of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. There's so much going on between last night and tonight, and earlier in the week, the off-season moves are heating up. The Golden Knights take Peyton Krebs, number 17 overall, with a caveat. We're going to get into that. They just made a trade uh, in the second round. We're going to get into all of it. We'll be right back. All right, hockey fans, thank you once again for joining us on this Saturday edition of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. There's a lot going on. The offseason is in full swing. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights just made a trade in the second round. They gave their 48th pick and their 82nd pick to move up to 41, uh, taking, and I'm a butcher it probably, Caden Korchak. That's what I'm going to go with right now. It just happened. Um, the trade, oddly enough, was with the San Jose Sharks, um, the 17th overall pick last night, Peyton Krebs, uh, generally considered a top 10 talent. Um, we'll get into that. Uh, lots going on, Chris. Good day to you, sir.
1: Yeah, good day to you. It's interesting following the draft last night, a number of few interesting things, few surprises. We'll get into that in the next segment. So we're going down the Vegas lane, there they were at 17, Spencer Knights off the board, Cam York's off the board, and, you know, when you think of Vegas, you think they're strong at center, which they are, uh, but Peyton Krebs is just, in my opinion, too good, uh, too good to pass up. So uh, uh, if you remember from our mock draft show last week, I took him at nine with Anaheim, and again... Uh, from my research, this is, you know, what they said about him, first line talent, but fourth line work ethic, uh, you know, a skilled forward, right. great puck skills, speed skill, hockey IQ, great motor leadership qualities and go on and on. So this was, um, uh, you know, we were texting while the draft was going on and w- once it was picked, I said, well, uh, Vegas got a top 10, a, a kid, a uh, top 10 talent at number 17 and then lo and behold, like two minutes later, George McPhee's being interviewed and said, well, we got a top ten player a number 17. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. But, um, anywho, I, you know, look, Fasny is going to be 34 in December. And remember, he signed just a three-year deal. So he's got two more years to go. Uh, clearly, William Carlson looks like is going to be here for a while. Um, and, we have, and you have Cody Glass. There's your, you know, top two centers a couple of years' time, you can ease Peyton Krebs maybe two, three years' time onto this roster as the third-line center. Um, he could be wind up becoming uh, a trade ship, a big trade ship down the line. Um, uh, I know there, uh, you know, obviously the Achilles injury that he had. I don't think in this day and age, you know, uh, look, there was some serious if, – if as the knights were extremely worried about it, although McVie did mention that there was a you know a little bit of risk involved, and in, uh, in, in the interview on uh, on the NBC network, there, um, uh, if there was any serious hesitation, they would have went in another direction. But to me, uh, this was a home run to get uh, to get that kind of player at 17. Uh, you got to be you got to be smiling if uh, that's your team, and you you get that kind of talent, balls to you, and, you know, last thing before I bring it over to you, you know, it was just, I think, uh, three, three, four years ago, you know, Matt Barzell hurt his knee, he had an injury during the year, it affected his draft stock, he probably should have won in the top ten, he was on the board at 16 when the Islanders took him, so uh, sometimes, you know, uh, you know, an unfortunate thing like that, it wind up being another team's game uh, in the long term.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I was reading an article from Sinbin Vegas this morning. Um, they got in touch with the orthopedic surgeon and kind of queried him about the type of injury that that he suffered. It was he was cut by a skate blade um, through his cut-proof sock, obviously enough, training two weeks ago, and he's already putting weight on it, walking with a limp, obviously, to the stage. But then, you know, after that, he was on a scooter backstage. But uh, some quotes from that article. Go to finbin.vegas and and read the article, Vegas fans, if you're you're interested in in the full thing. But I'll I'll throw some quotes out of that. Um, It's way better to happen with a cut or a laceration. If it gets cut clean, that means the two ends of the tendon prior to the injury were healthy. You assume it was healthy because of his age. And the cut was higher up because the skate generally protects the lower part of the tendon where these – more severe injuries tend to happen um, with and and the comparables he used were Kevin Durant and Richard Sherman. Um, that that was what he called uh, acute on chronic injury, where you had a uh, generally wear and tear and and long term damage to the tendon, and then an acute tear to it, where the ends of the injury were already frayed and damaged. Um, if if the skate cut is clean it's the best case scenario obviously um the quote is that's about as optimistic as you can have all the members the numbers that you would read about achilles return to sport those are totally different injuries than what we see here um going through the article right now that's pretty much it so if you have a part and it's a partial cut obviously not a uh a total tear or slice through of the, of the, the tendon. So, you know, no one has that medical report, but the, the reports were that obviously development camp is out of the picture. Um, Training camp is probably off the table, but not uh, completely depending on how well it heals. So certainly by late fall, Early winter, he should be rejoining his team, um, and, th- and that's good news. That, li- like you said, Chris, they got a top ten talent at seventeen. That's George McPhee, and and also Chris Lisa's quote on on the deal. Um, you mentioned you mentioned the center pipeline there with the Vegas Golden Knights, and and obviously Carlson uh, reported Pierre LeBron yesterday that. Vegas and William Carlson are getting close on a long-term deal. He expects that to be done, um, which is good news. And it might be why we're not seeing so many moves out of the Vegas Golden Knights camp, as we expected, uh, trying to clear cap space. The They do have a window here to finalize that contract before July 1st. And then they, they know exactly you know, how much room they're going to need and maybe let that dictate who gets moved rather than just try and move out a bunch of players to create a bulk of cap space, then get into negotiations. So that looks like it's getting taken care of. And, and like you mentioned, um, you know, hypothetically if Cody Eakin gets moves this year and Cody Glass impresses that camp, I think he has a real good shot of making the team out of training camp. And he gets his feet wet in the NHL as a third-line center. In you know, a couple years' time, he can slot into the second-line role behind Carlson because he is a dynamic playmaker, passer, offensively skilled player with great on-ice vision and instincts. And Peyton Krebs, um, I was watching some of his YouTube <laughs> highlights this morning, and obviously, you know, it's it's a highlight video, so... You're looking at at the best he is, but he 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 came down on the right wing and and just executed this silky smooth spinorama backhand flip sauce across the crease backdoor goal that was just amazing. But what what they say and I'm on EliteProspects.com for these notes. Um, Potent producer and offensive catalyst rises to the occasion whenever he's on the ice. Smooth. Shifty skater, traverses all three zones with ease and closes the gap on the back check quickly. Defensively, his understanding of the game communicates itself through his proactive positioning and an active lane disrupting stick. Um, You figure he'll learn a little bit more playing with Mark Stone who has the best stick in the league on that. Um, Not afraid to go to the dirty areas and fight for the puck. So the 200-foot player, compete level work ethic like you said um it seems to be if if he reaches his his potential there Peyton Krebs could slot in at a very high-end third line center behind Carlson Glass and if you add add Krebs to the to the depth at center in you know three years time man that looks pretty good down the road sir
1: yeah, I mean uh and kudos to Vegas in a very short period of time, obviously, having the depth and in, in their organization both on the main roster and the pipeline, that they, you know, can be in a good you know, some teams might be scared off saying, Oh boy, we're gonna have to wait a little bit longer uh for for this guy and uh, we don't have that time to wait and you know, this this remember the draft is an investment, so uh, I'm, I'm not saying you're going to have to wait years and years and years upon Peyton Krebs, Uh but you're going to have to wait a little bit longer given the situation. But, again, to get that kind of talent, you take the talent, and um, uh, definitely uh, fortunately I was actually kind of hoping that Lou Moreau was on the phone with George McPhee because the Islanders really uh, could use some de- center depth in their organization. But, anyway, uh, uh, I got a scouting report on Kaden, uh Koretsik, the D-man, that they took at 41. He's six foot three, 192 pounds, uh, considered a defensive defenseman, elite skater with size and defensive ability. He's the kind of guy you're going to want on the ice to kill the penalties. The guy that are on the ice late in the third period to protect a one goal lead. He's a minutes eater. Been called the safe pick. projects as long-term solid D man. So, you know, not sec not sexy, but effective, uh, is probably how I would uh, would describe him. So uh, and you know, of course, you know a lot of times with prospects, both you know, plus or minus, you know, sometimes uh, you know guys can get better, you know, can get better, you know, just because they're drafted and that's their uh, their, their scouting report doesn't mean they can't get better than that. So uh, you know, a nice pickup to their to their Arsenal. Obviously, they liked him a lot because they traded up a few spots and gave up one of their three third round picks, I believe. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, uh, like I said, it was, a, it was an interesting night for the, for the, for the nights between, you know, or, or yes, it was an interesting day and, and, uh, between the Paulson uh, uh, news and, or pending news, if you will. Sounds like, uh, it's, uh, it's in the red zone. Oh, it's probably in the, on the goal line. So, uh, hopefully we'll, uh, We'll get good news on that uh, in the next day or two or even maybe later today.
0: Yeah, for sure. A couple more quotes on Korchek. Um, The body to match the style, and he loves to physically engage opposing forwards. That's from McKean's hockey. Uh, Skates very well for his size, occasionally demonstrating the ability to take the puck end-to-end with impressive speed. That's hockeyprospects.com. And a defensive defenseman who can eat up a lot of ice time and add secondary offense. That is from futureconsiderations.com. Also on the U18 Canada team, last year with the Kelowna Rockets, 68 games, four goals, 29 assists, 64 penalty minutes. And since this happened like 15 minutes ago, that's about all I got on Mr. Mr. Korchek. Um, welcome to the Vegas Golden Knights to both Peyton Krebs and Caden Korchak and the rest of the draftees uh, yet to come this afternoon. Um, the Carlson uh, thing, absolutely. we pretty much covered. Go ahead, Chris.
1: Yeah, no, no. I was just going to say, now it's just so be curious to see after when Hayes got uh, – you know what's William Carlson? You got to figure it's going to be in that gracious. neighborhood, but I I, I don't want to go too crazy. But it, I mean, William Carlson's a lot better player than Kevin May, so um, so you think so, say? right? Uh, yeah, I would think so. Yeah,
0: we talked a so, little bit about uh, how the how the Skinner signing uh, could affect the Carlson negotiations, and you know, LeBron tweeted out yesterday that Carlson was getting close on his deal, so it. It doesn't look too much like the Kevin Hayes signing is going to – look, Kevin got nine-plus, right?
1: No, no, he got um, uh, 7.1 for seven years. 7.1. So he got 50 million for seven years.
0: Just on comparables, if if William Carlson was on the open market and that was the market –
1: Keep in mind it, Vegas can it, give, uh Carlson an eight, eighth year, so maybe that sure. could, for sure, could ease the you know look. The number is going to be around probably seven million per, but maybe they can get it, you know, a little less than that because they give him an eighth year.
0: A year fifty six. But
1: also, but also he's a year away from unrestricted free agency, so that's something to keep in mind as well. He's not a free. Kevin Hayes basically hit free agency, unrestricted free agency, so he got yeah. he got to that line so you know when you get to that line you put yourself in a situation where something like this can happen
0: so we're looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of eight years 56 something like that for i would think so
1: yeah i would think so i would maybe a little bit less because he is a year away from free agency and you know he really wants to stay here and uh you know there's no state tax so that helps a little bit but i would think You know, somewhere around it's going to be a it's going to be at least it's either going to be seven or eight years, and my guess is the number is going to be between six point seven five and seven and a half. So I think that's I think that's reasonable,
0: and that's I I got to say that's probably if he was on the open market, that's probably about a million and a half, two million dollar a year hometown discount, right?
1: Yeah, no, if he was on the open market he would he would at least get eight. But again, like I said, he's not and he's a year away and you know, and the other this other side of the coin is if he you no, know, he had a good year this year. Clearly two years ago he had a great year. This year he had a good year. If he were to take a small step back from this year, well that would be two years in a row that he took a small step back and then maybe he's not looking at that kind of contract. So you know, when the money's on the table, when the contract is signed, that money is guaranteed. So uh, there's something to be said for that.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I was talking this week and and around the water cooler at break time, and um, it, the question was, uh, I hope William Carlson stays. My guys, William Carlson isn't going anywhere. <laughs> the worst case scenario is they go to arbitration this year because he's a 26-year-old Uh, rfa and he has the arbitration rights this year and they the and the arbitrator gives him whatever he gives him and they have to sign him to the one-year deal there or give him his outright release well we know that wasn't going to happen so william carlson was going to be playing hockey in las vegas next season regardless um and then if that if it had gone to that point which you know we don't know it still might um then you have all season to work on cap space to restructure it for next year when he would be hitting UFA status. And you, you still have that eighth year, like you said, Chris. So um, there wasn't really any way that, that Carlson was was going anywhere. He loves Vegas. He wants to be here. And it's good to see LeBron uh, reporting that those talks are getting closer. That's actually the first I had heard of anything regarding those negotiations. So that's that's good news for Vegas fans.
1: Yeah, why don't we jump into the draft from last night and hit some hit a couple of highlights. So, uh, well, one more thing, Chris. First...
0: One more thing. Oh yeah, sure. Um, uh, we we had reports and we have talked about this before, and it's still kind of unclear what kind of relief uh, David Clarkson on the L t- long-term injured reserve list or trading him uh, does until the season starts and how that affects cap space. But uh, the reports came out that, that Vegas asked for and received uh, David Clarkson's no-trade list, which we said in the past ought to be a blank page. <laughs> Turn it into Here's the teams I won't be traded to, and he gives them a blank sheet of paper. <laughs> that, that should be the no-trade list for David Clarkson, but apparently um, there were uh, teams on that no-trade list assuming that they would be high-tax rate states that uh, I would imagine if I was David Clarkson and it was that situation, I'd have Anaheim, LA and San Jose on that list. Cause I'm not paying California state tax uh, probably a few of the Canadian teams because the the Canadian tax rates up there get pretty steep when you get into that kind of money. Um, but yeah, interesting that they asked for, and then David Clarkson did turn in that sheet. So if they can just outright trade that contract, well, then we know there's five be, million dollars in cap space.
1: I hate, to, I hate to rain on any on that parade, any possibility on that parade. But with, and we'll get into this into the third segment with Patrick Marlowe moving today, basically to getting traded to Carolina to take that cap number off their hands. The Leafs in cap crunch hell. Uh, and basically uh, is going to buy out Marlow, making him a free agent, I don't know if he's going to retire or, or sign a small deal with San Jose. He basically said he was either going to stay in Toronto or, or go to San Jose, or that was it. But um, uh, the cost of t- taking that number, which was a cap hit of 6.25, with an actual salary of only a million dollars, was a first-round pick next year. So, it's, you know, Carlson has a slightly smaller... Um, Cap number, I think it's 5.25. I believe you're uh, however, right. His act, however, his actual payroll is a lot higher. I think it's around, uh, higher than Marlowe. I think it's around $4 million or so. So if, if George McPhee is going to call around to the teams who have a lot of cap space who are rebuilding and um, that's not on his no-trade list, uh, they're going to say, well, wait a minute, Carolina got a first-round pick. Huh. we got to start talking there at minimum. So uh, I think that kind of – we'll see. Maybe George can work his magic, but uh, I, I would think that whatever whatever possibility that had, uh, I, I would put it from doubtful to remote.
0: Ba- based on the Marlowe deal.
1: Based the on market, the Marlowe deal.
0: And the market that that set. Yeah, no, that's a good point, Chris. Um, yeah. Now, maybe you retain – the actual salary portion uh part of it and
1: yeah i don't know how all that semantics work. So, like right yeah. right
0: so you might vegas if they want to trade it might have to give um let's say they want to retain half of that and then you drop right. that value down maybe, to a second yeah, or a so third you, and they have right. a, a a surplus of that coming in the next couple of years so yeah, i mean that's a possibility. it's still it's still maybe a possibility you,
1: and you, uh, like, you know, you, you take half the contract, you have to cap hit, you, you know, go. that kind of thing. And, you know, and you're talking about second and third round picks or, you know, That's or second doable. or third or yeah. So we'll say, but, um, think, in terms of taking
0: have $3 million, that may save a Cody Eakin or a Colin Miller from having to be moved, depending on what the Carlson contract ends up being so that, you know, if you're saving two and a quarter, um,
1: it all adds that, up. You, you know, it the, all
0: adds up, yes, sir. And it could bring uh, pierre Edward Belmar back. It could give Derek England another year in the fold. So th- that it could be – I mean, that could still be a valuable piece that might save the Golden Knights from having to move a player off the roster.
1: Right. They're going to have to move players off the roster. The thing is, that even if they could get someone to take 50% of that cap hit, it could mean the difference of moving one left player off the roster.
0: Right. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So, anyway, jumping – yeah, something to keep an eye on for sure. Obviously, they asked for that list, so it's a possibility. Um, jumping into the draft, just, you know, obviously one hit kid, hit about three or uh, – about five highlights. Uh Let's start with the first shocker at six. Detroit, we knew they wanted defense. We knew that they had a lot of talented – young forwards both on the main roster and in the pipeline, but everything, no one had Detroit taking at a, at a defenseman there. I would dare to say that if any almost any other general manager other than Steve Eiseman made this pick, he would have mm. been roasted. Um, mm. You know, taking the big German defenseman, more Uh Now, this is a guy that could have went anywhere, you know, between 11 and 20, so it's not like, you went completely nuts off the board, but, you know, anytime someone does this and it's a need, a pick, if it's, it's a position of severe need, uh, you think of, uh, you know, someone who's reaching, but a big kid, 6'4", 183 pounds, he will, uh, you know, he's mobile, good instincts, great frame, uh, rough around the edges, which a lot of people, you know, bigger guys, it takes a little bit more I like this uh, quote, an athletic piece of clay just waiting to be molded into Hmm. a work of art. So, um, it was funny, when he was drafted and they showed the camera on him, he was shocked, you know? Yeah, and
0: his family too, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, but for him, I mean, like I said, you know, uh, for people who want to criticize the pick, uh, I get it, but at the same token, I would say, you know what? Uh, Not that he can't make mistakes, but Steve Eisenman has made a lot more good decisions than he's been right a lot more than wrong. So uh, I can't imagine, can't imagine that he would do a reach pick at the sixth spot.
0: Well, he's the sixth overall European skater and the fourth overall uh, European defenseman ranked on NHL.com prior to the draft. And you had Victor Soderstrom, Ville Hinola and Philip Broberg, who all, I believe all three of those guys went in the teams. Um, I thought Broberg Uh, Broberg actually
1: went eight. He went in the top 10.
0: Right. He was the next, uh, defenseman off the board. Um, but the, the thing that he's kind of similar, uh, size wise, uh, cider has about eight pounds officially, uh, on Broberg, but both those players are 6'3. The other two ranked higher were six foot one seventy-eight, six, six foot one eighty-two, probably more skill and speed and puck moving style defenseman. Um, so you know, Stevie Wise going for size and physicality, I would I would assume to bulk up that back end in a couple years. Um yeah. You know, you got to go with the in Stevie, we trust, right? At, yeah, at, at, at that, but we we were texting and and we were both like, huh, <laughs> what? <laughs> Excuse me. Certainly, they. Uh, you gotta, you gotta believe. We talked in our our draft special last week about Detroit trying to possibly move up to that three spot and take the defenseman um, Bo and Byram. And obviously that didn't happen. So I guess you know, it, you know what they say: it only takes one team to believe in you to get you drafted. And, and obviously, and I'll, I'll obviously one, on the Red Wings board, he he was their number two defenseman.
1: And I'll throw one positive for, and everyone knows we're big fans of uh, Russ Cohen, Sportsology at Sportsology uh, Sportsology dot com, who this lives and breathes the, the draft. Yes, uh, sir. Russ had Russ had cider. On number nine on his board, overall board. So, uh, and you know the way Russ does it is he just ranks. Them. He doesn't do a mock draft. He takes the prospects and he's like, okay, here's my top thirty-one. You know, I'm looking at in a in a in a vacuum. So he had Cider at nine. So you know, if you talk to Russ, uh, not that big he a reach. Probably would tell you, not that big of a reach. So, uh, and now this, that was that was one of Three uh, points to hit on in terms of players and then two overall themes. So the second point on the player is Spencer Knight, who we thought might be on the board when Vegas mm. picked. In the recent days, uh, it got a little bit more dicey. Uh, I you know, was reading in different places about Florida taking him. And, look, I'm not criticizing the pick. I like Spencer Knight a lot. Uh, basically, he's fundamentally sound with athleticism up the wazoo a great kid, and it sounds like, of the way they were talking on the telecast last night, he, he's not going to take years and years to, to develop, which right. usually when you take a goalie takes a little bit longer. Here's my point, though, at the 13th spot, with a franchise looking to get better now that has very little defense, both on the main roster and really not much in the pipeline. Um, it makes zero sense to me to take Spencer Knights at 13 and then on July 1st signed Bobrovsky to a seven-year deal. So to me, if you take Spencer Knight at 13, you're not signing any goaltender or trading for any goaltender for the next seven years. Those two things make no sense to me. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, We'll talk about that on our free agency show. We should know by then what Florida does. They really need a number one goalie but um that that would be my only point about them taking spencer to me if you take spencer Knight at 13 that means i'm not signing bobrowski but i don't i don't know if they're going to do that i I don't know if that i don't think that that may not be their mindset whatsoever
0: no i i I mean i agree with you unless you just are, are building that pipeline um it 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 doesn't make sense <laughs> um especially with like like you said with the defensemen that were were still on the board um you could have got a really nice piece um i'm i'm scrolling through it right now cam cam york was still there right he went 14 to the flyers one pick later uh he did Right he did, and then thomas he harley did. and and hey sh- shout out to Thomas Harley, um it's gotta suck being on your draft day and having the team that picks you switch your first and last name when they call out your name. Did you catch that? I did
1: that was terrible, I mean, oh
0: my goodness, gracious terrible. for that dude to come up and just look uh, Harley Thomas and just. You know, if I'm Harley Thomas Harley, I almost did the same thing. Um, If I'm Thomas Harley, I'm going to school for four years and going to free agency. I'm never signing with a team that can't get my name right on my draft day. Oh, my goodness, the look on that kid's face and family was just horrible to watch. Shame on you, Dallas. Shame.
1: Second time this year, the uh, Dallas Stars owner, Put, put oh. their foot in their mouth And and Goodness Paul gracious Made
0: a foolish move Oh Anyway, but, anyway. I mean, This
1: one This one <laughs> You know I mean, Yeah exactly how, how, you, I mean uh, in your head
0: You're like Oh they really really wanted me Huh They don't even know my name Oh man That's uh, Yeah I'm going to school And I, <laughs> I mean, going to You know If if you stay in school Four years And you get out We saw the You know Jimmy Vesey And And if, uh, Jimmy Schultz for the for the Knights and a few others just stay in school their four years and then hit free agency. I, 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 I would never put on a Dallas Stars jersey again if I'm that kid.
1: And then the third thing on the player, uh, Cole Caulfield sliding um, a, a bit. Um, it seemed everywhere you read that if Buffalo wasn't going to take him at seven, which in recent days a lot of people thought they would, um he wasn't gonna get past Edmonton. I know Mark Scheiger said that when we did our mock draft last week. Right. So all the fell all the way to fifteen for the Canadians, and I get it. He's I five foot seven and a quarter. But uh, you know, the kids talent, the way the game the game has changed in terms of players of that ilk. Talk to Alex the Braincat. Um, I think it could be a potential steal for Montreal at fifteen.
0: I I, I hate that for the kid because I mean and you can't fault the Sabres. Dylan Cousins was still on the board and and yep. a lot of people thought he might be gone. Uh Turcott went to the Kings. Uh the, the Avalanche had Bo and Byron fall in their laps, right? After Kirby Dock was the second center off the board to Chicago. Um so you you know the Kings were gonna take Turcott when he was available. Um the Red Wings we talked about the Maurice Sider pick. And so with Dylan Cousins, you know, Sabres, you know, they fell on his lap. No one's going to fault the Oilers for taking the next best defenseman. Uh, everyone, you know, the Oilers need help on the blue line. So you take the, the defenseman there and, you know, all the other teams, you know, they're pretty much looking forward until you get to Montreal. Uh, Flyers did snatch up Cam York, which a lot of people were surprised at considering their youth on the blue line, Um but uh, you know the the I, when they pick Caulfield, I, I kind of felt bad for the kid because you know the microscope that the Montreal media market is, and he's because of his size he's going to be just under the microscope uh, his whole career if you know finishing juniors uh, going to the A you know and if he doesn't make it it's going to be a wasted pick on a little player and again you know what I mean. I, I I think there would have been a much more comfortable situation for him in just about any other market. Um, so, good luck to Cole Caulfield. I hope he goes there and just lights it up. But I, it's, it's hard enough being as successful as he is when, you know, the first question everybody asked him last night was, despite your size, how are you? You know what I mean? And he's got to be sick of hearing about that. And now that's probably all he's going to hear about, especially if he if he struggles and takes a couple years, three years, to adjust to the the more physical style play in the pro in the pro leagues. Um, it's it's all he's going to hear about, and it's, you know the pressure that comes with playing in Montreal. You know, good luck to Cole Caulfield. I hope he goes up there and lights it up.
1: And then the last two quick hits, overall theme, nine Americans taken in round one.
0: USA. And
1: only one trade. A lot of people thought there was going to be a lot of wheeling and dealing. Ironically, what went to put a bow on what you just said about Caulfield, it was Arizona trading up to the flyer spot from 14 to 11. I thought, well, here you go. They're going to take Caulfield. Right. they took a defenseman. So, um, uh so only one trade and nine Americans uh taken on uh in round one. And if I could throw in a personal note, two Long Island guys taken within the first ten or twelve picks in round two. In fact the first player off the board uh today in round two, uh Shane Pinto, at center, uh is a Nassau County guy where I reside. So uh uh a few picks later another for, another forward went uh to uh that kid, that kid went to Ottawa the other kid uh went to Detroit at 54 so um uh, uh yeah so in terms of an the overall theme for the draft
0: USA rising sir out of those 9 players 7 of the first 14 uh American players out of the US National Development Program so man what a what a f- club that was to put seven of their players in the first 14 picks in the NHL draft. We talked about that with with Russ Cohen when when we were talking with him last um the rise of the American born player and the impact that they're going to have in the National Hockey League and some of the changes that they they did in, in scheduling uh some AHL teams and high high ranked colleges to play against certainly helped the development of, of these youngsters and yeah usa rising sir that uh, that was the my main takeaway in the first 14 picks were seven of them come out of that out of that program that's outstanding
1: all right well we got a lot to get to in the moves including three from today so let's each try to give a, a thought on each one big trade this morning pk suban leaves uh traded from nashville uh, to the Devils for two young players. Neither one considered a top prospect of that or a top young player. Basically, the, the meat of the deal for Nashville was getting two second-round picks, one of which was the third pick in today's uh, draft, which they traded out of. Uh, Jersey uh, retains the whole uh, salary cap hit of $9 million. So Jersey clearly trying to get better now, maybe also trying to convince Taylor Hall to sign a long-term extension. Um, clearly not a bad 16 hours if you're the Jersey Devils. You had a, a, a front-line center in Jack Hughes, and you had a front-line defenseman in P.K. Supan. And it opens up the door for Nashville uh, in terms of cap space to sign uh, a, a Matt Duchesne.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There were earlier reports this morning that uh, the Preds in Toronto uh, – we're close on that Suvam deal. And I don't see how they could add 9 million in salary when, uh, the Mitch Marner situation is going on. Um, that so maybe there was a retained salary there and, and New Jersey called and said, Hey, we'll take the whole thing. Here's a couple seconds. Let's go. Um, yep. but yeah, um, New Jersey clearly doing what they can to become more competitive, uh, hoping to entice Taylor Hall to stick around. Um, they had the cap space to make that deal. PK Subban obviously should, and this is weird because Nashville's power play was abysmal, but I think, I think PK Subban can help their power play, uh, running point. I think, you know, he, he's always, um, a popular player with, with the fans and, and, in the community with, with the cities, uh, definitely Nashville. The fan base there really liked P.K. Subban, so um, good move on the PR front. We'll see if it can entice Uh, Taylor Hall to mm -hmm. stick around and sign a long-term deal there.
1: Yeah, and then domino number two from today, Patrick Marlowe mentioned before, gets traded to Carolina. Uh, Obviously, he had to okay the deal. He had a full no-move clause one year to go. $6.25 $6.25 million camp hit, only $1 million in salary. Carolina's going to buy him out, making him a free agent. So uh, we'll see uh, if he winds up resigning in San Jose for a minimal amount, if he retired. He basically said, I'm going to play my last year in Toronto, or you could trade me to San Jose, or that's it. Let's see if he sticks to that. The call, uh, uh, It's great for Toronto to clear out that $6.25 million cap which they uh, uh, desperately need. Uh, It's a big number. Uh, It came at a huge cost. To trade uh, next year's first-round pick already uh, with only one year to go. I mean, keep in mind, we've seen these kind of trades the last few years with Arizona, with uh, Carolina, with New Jersey. Teams taking on a bad cap number. Vegas did it with David Clarkson at the expansion draft. Well, that was basically a trade. But what the teams got in return of taking on that bad cap number were a combination of second-round picks, not to poo-poo second-round picks, but second-round picks, really good prospects or really good young players. They did not get a primo chip like a first-round pick. Um, So it came at a a very, in my opinion, at a very high cost. Look, uh, remember the movie Argo? Where they they before they put their plan in action, the guy they uh, they have to get the approval from and says, "Is, is this a good idea?" And Ben Affleck and Brian Cranston says, "There are no good ideas."
0: Yeah. Okay, they, <laughs> there you that's, go.
1: These, this is the best of all the bad ideas. Nice poll, sir. Position, yeah, and that's the position Toronto was was in with their cap. Well, so, you know, for their sake. Alleviate trying to uh, eliminate guys that they will lose because of having to sign the Marners, the captains, and so on, especially Marner, and, and then improving the defense at the same time.
0: Yeah, well, there was there was a report that that uh, ownership wants to meet with Patrick Marlowe to see if they can get him to play, and if not, they'll buy him out. I saw that just uh, right not too long ago, but like you said, we'll see if he sticks to his guns and, and um, forces the buyout. Um, Steve Price, the Toronto gave up their first-round pick this year for Jake Muzzin, and now it says conditional first-round pick on it. I haven't seen those conditions yet.
1: It's you got to figure it's probably like top three protected in case like the the sky the fell, falls out. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, God forbid something <clears throat> crazy happened. They just missed the playoffs, and then they won the lottery. You know, just to protect themselves. <laughs> I think it's uh, okay. that kind of uh, that kind of a scenario, uh, uh, kind of. But thing.
0: yeah, so now they give up their their first round pick next year too. Just, I mean, that tells you how how big an asset um, cap space is in the national hockey league is that you're willing to throw a first round pick basically away in order to buy $6 million in cap space. I mean, it's it's basically what, what they did. So, um, Well, consider this,
1: consider this Mark, your Kings traded Jake Muzzin for two good prospects and the Leafs first round pick this year. I would say that in terms of value, what the Kings got for Muzzin? this is just a, my opinion. Probably about eighty percent of that of that value was that first round pick. And sure. so, so, and and the Leafs got a second pairing D for for this for the rest of this past year and next year at a reasonable cap number, no less at four million dollars. So to put into perspective of the value of a first round pick, even if it's in the the latter third of the draft to, to get someone to take that Marlowe hit for you shows you how high of a price that, that was. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No question at all. And the Kings used that pick to take the Swedish defenseman, Tobias Bjornfoot, yes. who is, uh, really highly regarded he was ranked as a as a higher skater than sidon who went number six to the red wings so um that becomes a valuable chip back to the kings and i just saw with the second pick in the second round number 33 overall the kings picked up another uh well they picked up Arthur Kaliev, who who was yeah. many people thought was going to be a first rounder too, so three of the first thirty three picks for the Kings, and they all they they did a good job on all three.
1: I agree, and then finally J T. Miller, cap casualty out of uh, from Tampa Bay, goes to Vancouver. They get a, a young goalie, they get a goalie, they get a third round pick in this draft, and it sounds like uh, that's Tampa Bay. And it sounds like Tampa Bay gets a conditional. First round pick over the next year or two. I don't know those details. So, you know, Vancouver making a push to get better, uh, try to get in the top three in the Pacific, and a a good score, a top six winger in JT Miller. Uh, Tampa Bay gets five and a quarter of cap relief. So uh, uh, we knew Miller was going, it was just a question of where.
0: Yeah, um, w- were you watching the coverage when that happened? I was not. I'm curious to see what Vancouver's reaction was uh, to that trade.
1: Uh, it seemed like it was a little mixed. I, I think they were happy to get Miller. I wasn't anti-Miller. But when they heard uh, what happened was when they announced it on the podium uh, right after the draft started today, uh, so they started to announce what Vancouver was giving up first. So when they said a conditional first-round pick, Again, going back to the value of a first-round pick, and keep in mind, Vancouver picked 10th overall this year. So uh, they're not guaranteed, you know, it's no guarantee that that pick's not going to be in the lottery next year um, or, you know, or the year after. So when they said a conditional first-round pick, everyone kind of held their breath a bit. So uh, we'll have to see what those conditions are um, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, Miller – I don't know if it's Miller's health or if it's top 10 protected or things of that nature. So uh, we'll have to see what those conditions are. Uh, but uh, JT Miller moving on to the Pacific Northwest. Uh, what is your thoughts of giving Eric Carlson an hmm. eight year deal at 11 and a half per? We know he's a super player. Uh, as we saw though, this past season, uh, there's been a lot of miles on, on that tire and now you're, now you're, if you're San Jose at 11.5 per, you're asking eight more years. I mean, he couldn't even make it through the playoff. Even though he only played in 45 games in the regular season, he, he had trouble at the end of the playoffs. Body is, you know, I know he can get over this injury and hopefully move on, and, uh, and obviously they must feel that way, but I was a bit surprised.
0: Here's what I love about the deal. When you put Carlson in there at eleven and a half, and you look at Brent Burns, Burns, he's making eight. Yeah. And that's for six more years. He's going to be 40 when that deal is up, right? Cool. He's already getting blown by on the blue line by speedy teams. His his uh, value as a defenseman is almost purely offensive at this point. Then you put uh, Mark Edward Vlasic on there that's 7 million dollars and he's tied up for 7 more years all right so now i'm looking at uh, that's
1: like 27 million dollars
0: right right and all those players will will so be let me add let me add two more players to that we got logan coach here on the books for eight years, making eight million. <laughs> that's 35. Then you got uh, Vander Kane. He's got six years left. He's making seven.
1: That's forty-two.
0: Okay, that that's half the projected space on five players. More. More more, more. than half. Uh, like it, eighty-one, eighty-one something, pull, it, right?
1: It's gonna. Pull. Between annual one and
0: a half and 82 So that's five players More than half
1: your salary cap
0: And, those are and a all, lot of them are older the, the shortest deal is six years And every one of them Will be 35 before that player's up Here's here's part two that I really love After next season The the Sharks Have to sign ten Either UFA or RFA players They've got Five of each, I believe. Yikes! Is yep. this a uh, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. is this a win next year and slam the window shut on this version of the San Jose Sharks? Because I'll give them, I'll
1: give them two, I'll give them two years, but it's well, you got to like, rebuild the roster. Not, you're gonna
0: have you're gonna have ten right. free agents after next season.
1: Look, they're a real, obviously they're a really good team, and. They're they're in the Whoa. conversation, in terms of, you know, representing the West next year, but they're not the favorite. I mean, there they're, there's a <laughs> bunch of teams in the conversation, and you know, uh, they better win it. Uh, if they don't win it the next <laughs> two years, they're going to be paying for it the following years, uh, to say the least. So um, I was startled uh, by that, but uh, we'll, listen
0: when. We'll, uh... When Columbus did what they did, at first blush, everyone was, wait, what? What? what huh? And then San Jose Sharks just said, hold my beer. <laughs> Let me show you how I can mortgage the future of a franchise for real. Um, wow. I, I love that deal because, I mean, we look, we've seen what the Parise Suter contracts did in Minnesota. They have eighteen million tied up. Is is it eighteen or twenty two? They signed for nine and a half each, I think. Eleven year deal. Who's this? Uh Parise and Sutter in in uh Minnesota.
1: Oh yeah, they signed um um like
0: nine, I think nine, nine, nine and a half or eleven.
1: Uh no, I don't think their problem their numbers aren't too it is uh, off the top of my head it's I don't think their numbers are that high. It's just, it's for a long, it's like for a number, it's like for another eight, if you remember, because they went, that was above, before the change in rules of eight-year max. So they signed like 12, 13-year deals or something crazy. So their numbers, I think, were seven and change a year, but it's like for the next eight or nine years, I think. or Something something crazy.
0: Well, we've seen how just having two players uh, can impact what, I'm looking at it right now, Zach Parise. Yeah, 7.5. Um,
1: but it's for like the next it's for a lot more years. Yeah, 11 more, more years, years or,
0: yeah. So and then the the Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves deal. They 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 put a window on it. And you know, they won the cup in 2015, great. Um and and you get to that point and the Kings did the same thing by giving uh Kopitar car and um Quick, their deals, and also, I mean, Drew Dowdy at the time for seven million dollars, um, and and how that, what you know, when when Williams left, and the Mike Richards situation, um, you, you see how that impacts a team's ability to maintain that competitiveness when your other free agents start falling off the roster and going somewhere else to get paid because they've been on a championship team, blah, blah, blah. And you have to replace them with players in the two and a million to three and a half million window instead of the five and a half to $7 million dollar window. And, and your depth is depleted. And we we've seen in the past, those kinds of deals, uh, totally close windows on clubs and we can, we can only hope that window closes on San Jose. No, no disrespect to San Jose, but uh, uh, obviously the rivalry between the Knights and the Sharks is, is the hottest um, between the Knights and any team. And, you you know, I I love this deal for San Jose for those reasons. All
1: right. So we got three more quick, Three more items on this list here. One, Jacob Truba traded to the Rangers for the 20th overall pick, uh, which Winnipeg took a – I want to say a defenseman. Uh, they did. They took the kid uh, Villa Hanoi. He, was, he seems like a good player. And right. young defenseman Neil Pionk was kind of like a third-pairing guy. Uh, I think what happened here, reading through the tea leaves, is uh, there was a very short list that Trooper was willing to sign an extension now with. One of the teams was the Rangers. Another team known was the Red Wings. Now, Trooper's only 25. And if you're the Red Wings, and the question I have is, if you're the Red Wings, and you're trying to build your defense. And I, isn't Trooper from near the Detroit area, if memory serves correct? I, I don't have that in front of me. But I thought he I, have I, could, be face. Yeah, I have, could be way off-face. Yeah, I could be way off-face. But I'm just, I know it's, again, First round pick, value of a first round pick. Said before yeah. about the Marlow deal. Uh, I mean, Detroit couldn't beat them. Now, the Rangers are going to have to sign uh, a max deal for Truba, who's got one more year to go. He's an unrestrict- He's scheduled to become an unrestricted free agent July one of twenty twenty. He has arbitration rights. You're probably looking at an eight year deal at eight million per. He's coming off his best season. Office, particularly offensively, I mean, I'm sure they'll, they'll get that deal done. Um, uh, and it also shows you, and I get it, Winnipeg was trying to win a cup. Um, uh, they got to, you know, the conference finals last year, lost the night. They had high hopes that this could be the year for them. But in, at the end of the day, in terms of value, again, in a vacuum, they traded Truba one year too late. Um, but I get it. There's a reason why. You know, this wasn't a team that was an eight seed that got blew out, blown out in the first round. So, um, Truba to the Rangers.
0: Yeah, Rochester, Michigan, sir. Good, good call okay. by you on that. I, I, yeah,
1: I mean Detroit. Yeah. Detroit couldn't. They couldn't beat that offer. Now maybe you know maybe Stevie Y likes Truba doesn't love them and you know clearly uh, assets side of what you're giving up. If you're gonna give anybody you know an eight a max deal eight years at eight million plus per you better love the player, so maybe at the end of the day he didn't i i you know but or he's like i don't you know that's not where I wanna spend my money but I'm just saying I'm just surprised that Detroit couldn't beat a uh, a uh, um a complimentary player and the twentieth overall pick
0: yeah um oddly enough they went uh sidon in in that number six pick who was six three two oh
1: eight
0: right well well troop six three two oh three um if right. you're if if you're gonna go and and take the sixth overall pick on on a player like that, then certainly you could give uh someone <coughs> excuse me someone of a similar ilk and <coughs> uh excuse me package to, to bring in a player who's more than proven at the NHL level. I just wonder what what went wrong with with Truba in Winnipeg. I think it's more than um dollars and cents. I feel like there was some bad blood last year when they were trying to get that one year done.
1: They've had a lot of um, you know what it seems like they've had a lot of contract negotiations. They've done a lot of bridge deals and not that his side has uh, been easy to deal with, and I think there's been a lot of, if not bad blood, a lot of uh, uh, tough negotiations, and I think that rubbed right. off, and and okay. I think he wanted to move on, even though they have a super young, a super squad. I mean, um, it seems like a great place to play. I, I you know, yeah, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I'm Chance to win. Like,
0: obviously, a chance to win.
1: Yeah, so I do Hey, I don't the Rangers know. are getting a real good
0: player. That's going to – Yeah, they are. You know, that, that rebuild just got a big piece.
1: It, it certainly did, and Lord knows they need it on the blue line. They don't really have much assets on the main roster on the blue line. Um, and ironically, that 20th pick was orig- was Winnipeg's slot. They got, the Rangers <laughs> got that pick for trading Kevin Hayes, to Winnipeg as a rental, and then so basically, yeah, the, the Rangers flipped Kevin Ray Kevin Hayes's rental price in a third pairing defenseman at best for Jacob Truba.
0: Yeah, not too bad, huh? Davidson's back in town, no, sir.
1: <laughs> well, that was the GM. I'm not going to give Davidson that uh, that credit, but uh, and then let a good segue to Kevin Hayes. I mean, I get it. The Flyers targeted him. I get it. They really like him. I get it. He had his best year. But, you know, and I get it. He's a center. And I get it. He's, what, 26? Going Soon to be 26. He's young. He's got a lot of good years ahead of him. But, boy, oh, boy. I mean, he's had one year more than 50 points. Uh, a seven-year deal. At seven million, God bless. I have nothing against the player or the agent. If the team's gonna be willing to give it to you, sign that. Hey, God bless. But but I tell you what, he better be. He doesn't have to be a superstar, but he better be a fifty-plus or sixty-point player for the Flyers from the get-go next season. Or you know, the Flyer faithful can be known to get a little angry at times. That could that could be a bad, a bad. Uh, Look, and obviously Elaine Vigneault, now the coach with Philly Knows him well from his days In New York, and ironically The reason Ironically, Vigneault got booted out of of the Rangers But didn't like the way he handled Or dealt with or used Young players And So they go to Vigneault in terms of Tell us about Kevin Hayes And then they give him uh, this really crazy contract I mean, think about where the Islanders Gave Brock Nelson Basically, what, a six-year deal at $6 million per, and Hayes is probably a better offensive player than Nelson, even though Nelson almost had the same stats as Hayes. Um, and, and Nelson, I think, probably has scored more goals than Hayes in the last couple of years, and he's been more consistent than Hayes. But in terms of a two-way player uh, at the center position, and he got 6-36, and Hayes and they're basically the same age. Maybe Brock's a few months older, and hayes got seven for fifty uh, yeah that, that that's a crazy contract
0: yeah, and that i I was glad to see Pierre Lebrun report that Carlson was getting close because that's that's the kind of deal that can screw up a market um uh, and absolutely. and like you said you don't you don't blame the player or the agent you you uh no. You know that's the kind of deal that lockouts are made of, sir. And I won't be yeah, uh, I shy. About, I thing. won't be shy about saying it because it, when, when you do that, and you know most they're not strikes, okay? They're lockouts. The owners are trying to get a better deal in the collective bargaining agreement to protect themselves from themselves when deals like this are made. Um, if you just look on stats alone. And other comparables Kevin Hayes is should be around a five and a half, six million dollar player. If Nelson's you said Nelson was six for six. Um I if you're starting a team and those are the two centers on the board, don't you start with Brock Nelson because of all the other things uh, he does as as opposed to Kevin Hayes, right? I mean um he he's he better still have some offensive upside at at one his career year being 55 points um it's that's the kind of deal that that screws markets up because if if you just go comparable on on that Kevin Hayes deal um Carlson coming off two seasons with more points than that he has a 43 goal season under his belt um i mean that makes Carlson a 9 million dollar player Yeah, twenty twenty more points a year on his career year, Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if he's willing to take the hometown discount, thank you, Wild Bill. But uh, if I'm the agent, I'm on the phone with William Carlson and go, hey buddy, we're going for nine. We're we're we're, uh, uh, you know I got comps now. We're going for nine.
1: And so then the last point is I got to run, and that's the Anaheim Ducks. Dallas Eakins gets another bite at the apple. Um, and with, with, with the young, with the future young Anaheim group and they buy out Corey Perry, who's now going to be a free agent, unrestricted free agent. Um, he can help somebody. I mean, he's not the player he once was, but he can help somebody. So it will be interesting to see, uh, to, to see where Corey Perry winds up.
0: Yeah. And I'm finally decided to move on. Um, from the Perry gets laugh combination and with, uh, Kessler out probably for the whole season, maybe his career is done. He's going to be right. moved to long-term injured reserve. And so there's cap space there now. Um, the, that's the, the sure sign that, um, Anaheim is going to, if not rebuild, then certainly seriously retool and reshape the team. Um, Dallas Eakins, yep. like you said, gets gets an, another crack at the apple. He's, you know, real successful. I believe with the goals, um, with the AHL Western Conference uh, Finals this year, lost to Chicago. But um, so, I mean, I mean, kudos to Dallas Eakins. I think he probably deserves another shot in the league, and maybe he learned a little bit. They were talking about it on the uh, Vegas Golden Knights Insider Radio Show here in Las Vegas this week. And uh he's admitted in the past that when he when he had his last chance he came in and was the my way or the highway guy and and it didn't really work out. So, you know, player relations being what they are nowadays and and you can't really get along too long with the uh heavy I mean, look at Tortorella, he's a heavy handed guy, but he's light years right. from the guy that he used to be and is able to kind of, you know, he went to New York and we benched Brad Richardson's in the playoffs and pretty much slandered Brad Richards. Uh, We have a better chance to win without him in the lineup in in the middle of the playoffs. I mean, that's about as disrespectful as you can give to a Conn Smythe winner, right? So um, Tortorella isn't shy about putting his players out there, but he's definitely turned the page on who he used to be and he's evolved as a coach and if he can can do that and create some relationships, his X's and O's are good. He's a, he, obviously a great hockey guy. Um, I think that we, we need to see if um, his player relations are better than they were in his last times around and I think he'll do just fine in Anaheim, but it looks like they've decided to finally – Turn the page and go into some sort of a retool, rebuild mode, as opposed to trying to put patches and and pieces in place around the Gasloff Perry kessel thing. Castle. So we got
1: one more sh- we got one more yeah. show to go, unless something uh, crazy would happen with Vegas over the summer. But we got, uh, and then we'll hop on and do a special show. But one more show to go for this season. Um, we're we're. We don't have a set date. It won't be next Saturday, because that just doesn't make any sense, with next Saturday being June 29th and July 1st being two days away. So we're, we we got to nail down a day, but we're looking somewhere, you know, the second or the third would be ideal. But we'll, we'll reach out to everybody via Twitter and keep everyone abreast of when that show will be done and then when it will be up shortly thereafter. And obviously we'll go through – all the July 1st signings all the trades uh leading up to then uh up to then and and signings and things so there'll there'll be a lot to discuss and and, and I'm sure a lot on that front uh in terms of what uh, Vegas uh, the Vegas moves
0: Yes sir yes sir I'm looking right now uh with the 79th pick uh Golden Knights took Pavel Dorilyev uh Magnitogorsk in Russia and with the 86th pick they take defenseman Layton Ahak from Prince George in the British Columbia Hockey League so there's your updates on the latest okay. picks from the Golden Knights and we will keep everybody posted uh when our free agency show is going to be we might sneak it in um we got to worry about the 4th of July and the holidays coming we're going we want to get it out right. before that but yeah we don't want to do it 2 days before free agency um hopefully right. Hopefully there'll be a little more roster certainty between now and then for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Are you hearing me, William Carlson? So uh, hopefully we'll get to report on that and it'll be, it'll be a pretty good show to wrap up our, our fifth season as the Vegas hockey podcast. Congratulations on that to you, Chris.
1: Back at you, buddy.
0: All right. That's going to do it for our, uh, Episode this week, the Peyton Krebs show. Uh, Thank you, sir, for Chris on Mark, and we'll talk to you soon.